Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Rokan. I'm Richard Roper. In this episode, we're going to talk about what sports are going to look like in 2021. Will they be different from 2020? And we just had the biggest event of sports for the entire year, the Super Bowl. It's always far and away the most watched program of any kind in any given year, even under these unusual circumstances. I will say you didn't get any kind of boost in viewership as the game turned into a route. Sometimes when games get close, you know, you'll see a kind of an uptick. I don't think you're going to see that this time. Interesting point, because when you look at the ratings, you see that this year's Super Bowl drew about 7 million fewer viewers in that 25 to 54-year-old demographic that advertisers are really looking for. So there were some advertisers that stayed away. The rates were reduced. But that was an advantage to some of the traditional advertisers like the Anheuser-Busch portfolio of products. Big Automotive Jeep had a great spot with Bruce Springsteen. Cost them a ton of money to make, but not as much money as it would normally take to buy. And even with the commercials, it has changed in recent years because it used to be such an event because we'd be seeing them for the first time. Some of them we're seeing for the first time. Many of them are released uh, to YouTube or other streaming services in the days leading up to the Super Bowl. But there's still quite a few where people are like, wait a minute, did I just see Shaggy from It Wasn't Me? Hated circa 2000 with Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. Well, the first time they show them, I'm like, all due respect to one of the great fun pop reggae songs of 2000. Are we supposed to know that Shaggy? There's a lot of people. I love Mila Kunis. I know who Ashton Kutcher is. Are we supposed to know who that is? And we, we saw a lot of that. I don't want to see Snooky. That really started to get on my nerves because CBS put that Paramount spot on. That Paramount Plus is going to be replacing what was CBS All Access. It's going to be like NBC's Peacock and Disney Plus and all those things that are running shows that were on the traditional networks or produced by the traditional networks. But for God's sake, does it really make sense to juxtapose big, high-priced talent like Stephen Colbert with Snooki? <sighs> this sucks. I'm too hungover for this. Well, that streaming service spot should have died on the drawing board, bro, because within that spot, the various actors and personalities kept explaining to each other why they were all on that mountain, which is not a good thing when you have to kind of turn to the audience and say, here's what we're trying to do here. There's always some controversy as well, and the Bruce Springsteen Jeep commercial seems to be generating. Then there's a two-minute spot where Springsteen is kind of the narrator, and we see him driving his Jeep to a town that's literally in the center of America. It's no secret. The middle has been a hard place to get to lately. Between red and blue, between servant and citizen, between our freedom and our fear. I loved it. I thought it was a beautiful statement. It's very much what Springsteen does. It's about being the everyman. And I know Springsteen now has all of his critics, especially people who think he's too liberal or he's a fake working man because he's been a millionaire since he was 24 years old. He still speaks to the American spirit in every song, in every album that he does. Listen, you can find something to criticize in anything these days. And I think a lot of people are projecting a lot of different controversies onto something where I don't know anybody who could doubt Bruce Springsteen's sincerity and his good heart. And he knows that we know that he's not really driving his Jeep to the middle of America other than to do a commercial. And he's, but he looked, you know, look, he's almost playing a character. He is playing yeah. the spring, working man Springsteen. And we believe him as a guy that would be sipping a, a cup of coffee out of his thermos yeah. as he pulls his Jeep through a snow-covered town. Hey, let me tell you, here's the problem. We have a commercial that is about inclusiveness, getting together, putting down the lances, coming together as a nation. And what's the first thing that happens on Twitter? 
is, oh, I hate it, I hate him, and then everybody starts fighting on Twitter about whether or not he's real enough. Shut the blank up! Well, this is the thing, too, of course. We talk about the coverage of the games. and You had uh, Tony Romo and Jim Nance. I think Tony Romo's great. Listen, the guy played at an elite level, but he has like kind of this fan's appreciation for the game. Kind of smart, but also kind of goofy guy. So like deep in the game, he was going like, okay, Jim, it's if it's 29 to 16, what's the math? How many times would the Chiefs have to score? And then toward the end, he goes, well, Brady's going to win his seventh Super Bowl. Now, if he had won his sixth but lost today, Mahomes would have two and Brady would have six. And Mahomes could catch Brady. But now it's seven to one. I don't know. I find that entertaining. I know some people find it distracting. It's just a game, folks. Pretty cool for Tampa to be at home, though. But, Ro, there was a moment... Deep in the game where Patrick Mahomes had to call a timeout because he couldn't hear and the players couldn't hear his signal calls because the crowd noise was too loud. How could that be? That to me is a problem if all of a sudden the guy running the sound in the stadium is screwing with the team. Because that's technically NFL territory. That's not just fans. That's some guy literally with a dial turning it up. First of all, I don't think they should pump in fake crowd noise for any of these events. But if you're going to do it, it's the difference between doing it for the home broadcast and the viewers and doing it actually there. So we're actually hearing what's happening. And you're right, because if you did that in the course of a normal NFL game, there would be fines and sanctions against you. You can't do that. So I agree. The pumped in crowd noise, the cardboard cutouts. eh. You know what? There were 22,000 fans there. Show the 22,000 fans address the elephant in the room. And then there's the awkward post game show. The thing about the CBS studio broadcast team is I think all those guys hate each other. (laughs) I don't know where you're coming up with that crazy conjecture. They did a fine job. Tom Brady, I bet you he dreams in confetti because he's had so much (laughs) confetti around him his whole life. And then they always like to plug upcoming shows. There were tons of spots for Clarice, the new spinoff of Silence of the Lambs. Next week on Screen Time, you and I are going to talk about the Silence of the Lambs and its many, many different iterations and spinoffs. And then the Equalizers. Who knew that Queen Latifah is who you call when you can't call the cops. (laughs) I actually was a victim of that. I started to watch it because it just came on afterwards. It's on next. You figure it must be their cornerstone program. Right. It was actually, it was kind of good. And then you get Stephen Colbert with a special Super Bowl late, late, late broadcast. And I love what they did, Ro. He talked about the player introductions. That's when we meet all the players. And they always tell us where they went to college. That's the, you know, that's the main thing. They reimagined the player intros as if they had been done and directed by some of the great filmmakers of all time, including a takeoff on Scorsese's Goodfellas. Everybody was doing player introductions. There was Victor Cruz. How you doing? UMass. Marcus Kuhn. We called him the steamroller on account of he's from Mannheim. Good and talk. You had Johnny Casillas and his guys. University of Wisconsin. Lorenzo Carter, the kid. UGA. Then there was Folaranzu Fadakasi, also the kid, on account that they was both the kids. UConn. And finally, Benny two times who got that nickname because he said everything twice, like, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. This seems like a good time to remind you that Screen Time with Rowan Roper is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, 
e-commerce, mobile apps, and digital marketing to drive your success. Because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. Get started today at AmericanEagle.com. Now that the Super Bowl is over, that's kind of the end of the 2020 sports season. The 2021 yep. season starts here. Are things finally going to get back to normal? We're a full year into the pandemic now, Ro. March of 2020 is when things really started shutting down. We all remember that now famous video of Mark Cuban finding out the NBA season had been postponed while he was in the stands at a game. And this is also the week for a lot of us sports fans. There's a little bit of a depression that sits Ooh. in because there's no football. My first thing is I look up when the Hall of Fame game is going to be. The college football kickoff sometime in August and when there's going to be you know summer workouts. And we do, though, turn our attention. And I know a lot of folks follow the NBA and the NHL and college basketball religiously, but it's really after the Super Bowl where a lot of people go, oh my gosh, I didn't know Baylor had such a good basketball team this year. That's fantastic. <laughs> right. But it's all about how we're going to watch these games in 2021 because we're not, we haven't turned that corner yet. But there's also NASCAR. The Daytona 500 is coming up. That is the biggest race of the season, even though it's the first race NASCAR is in this kind of reinvention of itself in a lot of ways after sure. the Bubba Wallace situation. Yes. And they're trying to be the touchy-feely, more 21st century NASCAR, not the 1960s NASCAR. And you wonder... You mean those old ads you'd see in the magazines where like Richard Petty would be leaning against a sports car with a blonde babe on his arm, cigarette dangling from his mouth, <laughs> and a doer's in his hand saying, I'm ready to race! They're not doing that anymore. They're not, they're okay. not doing that gotcha, anymore. Gotcha. Right. And they and they would like to, like country music is trying to do, mm. they'd like to make themselves a little bit more mass appeal as sure. opposed to very right. slim yeah, down the it's line. It's admirable. I think that's great. There are certain sports where seeing them live is a completely different experience than seeing them on television. And I think certain sports actually play better on TV. And the lack of a crowd doesn't matter as much to the television audience. Now, NASCAR or Indy, any of those races, you know, we know that there are tens of thousands, 50,000, even more. Of thousands, yeah. and, and seeing it live, even if you think you're not a fan, it's an amazing experience for anybody who hasn't right. done it. I mean, the spectacle of it all, huge, colorful, ear-splitting yeah. spectacle. If you're watching it on TV and there's no crowd, it doesn't really matter that much because you're just still getting the roar of the engines and the those great interior camera shots that they have from the driver's point of view. And I would say to you, Ro, that I feel the same way about golf and tennis on the other end of the spectrum. Again, very cool to see live. It's different. I think both are actually great television sports. But you have to shut up if you're in the live audience for those two anyway. So it doesn't really matter to me as a viewer if there's a crowd at the PGA Championship or the Masters or at the U.S. Open in tennis. I totally disagree with you on that. I think that in golf, you have to have an audience there. When the crowd is around the green, their reaction noise they make lights those guys up as a matter of fact i've heard a lot of the commentary in watching golf this year so far mm -hmm. is that it's so quiet it's not really allowing these guys to hear what's happening holes ahead or holes behind them so when golfers are on the course in a major tournament and there's big crowds when they hear a roar, they know something happened in that group behind them. I do get what you're saying, Ro. I mean, there have been those famous shots of uh, Tiger Woods when he's walking the 18th green early in his career, and the crowd would break through the ropes and follow him. And the that, very famous that was, Masters scene. Yeah, and that was electric. In fact, there's a, there was a great ESPN. They do all those great commercials, and he's in the ESPN offices, and he says to one of the you know one of the commentators there, I'll meet you for lunch, and then Tiger walks through the office, and there's like 150 fans walking behind him. Again, going back to you know the media coverage, 
I do think, for example, football has been very different without the roar of the crowd. Without and question. I'm talking about for a, as a home viewing experience. Well, let's talk about that because as baseball is about to heat back up, mm-hmm. we hope, the same thing can be said. They're using the same technology, faked up crowd reaction sounds. I've talked to hockey players for sure about this, and I'm like, hey, what is this about, man? Do you, mm-hmm. do you care about that? And they're like, no. I'm, I think most of those experiments were spectacular failures, quite frankly. I know Fox with Major League Baseball, they tried to do the virtual fan thing, and they, were, they look kind of like video from the 1990s, like a Sims game, creatures, like characters, all these humans kind of duplicated. And it wasn't, I mean, you see much better CGI in major motion pictures. They should have gone to the Marvel Universe and, you know, they could have gotten everybody from Wakanda to attend a game. And then maybe Thor and his home planet, you know, could have attended. It didn't look real. It felt phony. And there were certain shots then when they would take a, a different shot and then there was no crowd in it. And replay didn't quite work with that. Sports is still journalism. And I get it. There's a lot of doodads and ways of jazzing it up. But you're really covering the event as, as best you can. And sports coverage is amazing when you look at NFL highlights even from 20 years ago compared to now with all the tracking cams and everything. But I think the, you know, the, the, the recording of sports and the, and the broadcasting of sports should reflect the time we're in. And if there aren't a lot of fans at a game because the team owner is threatening to move, you report on that. And if there's nobody in the stands, they should say there's nobody in the stands. And this is how baseball is in 2020 and maybe in 2021 and reflect that. In just 30 seconds, we're going to tell you why some of your favorite sports looked so clunky last year and how they're going to fix that this year. Plus, somebody you have to follow on Twitter. I'm Bob Burke, founder and chairman of Burke America Parts Group, a family of brands that includes RepairClinic.com, an appliance and HVAC parts solution company that's grown into an international brand. Before AmericanEagle.com, we partially launched a new technology platform developed by another firm. American Eagle helped take our technology to a whole new level with digital marketing, software development, and business insights into our key markets, appliances, HVAC, and outdoor power equipment, and did so both on time and on budget. AmericanEagle.com has the resources, experience, and talent needed to produce solutions. Our new technology platform developed by AmericanEagle.com has produced tremendous results with higher traffic, conversion, engagement, and online revenue. If you have any home repairs you need to take care of, check us out at RepairClinic.com. If you need a world-class website or technology project, then I would highly recommend AmericanEagle.com. Call AmericanEagle.com at 773-NETWORK. That's AmericanEagle.com, 773-NETWORK. Richard, it seems like the biggest change that we've seen in terms of watching sports on television has been the way the announcers are interacting with what's occurring because many times the announcers aren't actually in the stadiums or if they are in the stadiums, they are away from each other. I think people are always uh, fascinated and a little bit surprised uh, over the years when they would go to the live shot of uh, you know Troy Aikman and Joe Buck or whoever's in the in the in the booth, and you see them wearing their coats and gloves and everything, because in most cases, as you know, the announcers are there; they're in a booth, but it's usually an open air situation because they want to be able to have that eagle's nest view, but also kind of take in the atmosphere. You and I have been lucky enough to actually be in broadcast booths during games. It's really exciting. Because there's something so cool and modern about being in the broadcast booth, but it's also something that takes you back to like 1935, you know, the radio calls of uh, football and baseball games, that timeless thing. And and the the art of play-by-play commentary and analysis is something that when done well, they're in the Hall of Fame. And then in the other case, you'll get killed on Twitter. You know, there are certain, (laughs) certain announcers who are polarizing, but it has affected it. We've talked to a lot of play-by-play personnel and commentators, and some have had, have had to do their 
job from either a remote studio or their homes, and they talk about how it's just not the same to not be there because they can look at monitors, but when you're at the game, you can see that the ref dropped a flag over there or there's a, a skirmish on the sidelines over there, right. things that you, you, know, that you don't pick up on, and just the overall vibe and atmosphere in the crowd. Interesting, as I've been listening to college basketball, whether it's on radio or seeing it on TV, you do sometimes hear the announcers lament the fact that, yeah. hey, we can't see exactly what's going on. We're going to have to look at the exactly. replay. I actually appreciate that they're doing that and not trying to fake it like they Again, are there. Or be they honest know. about it. Yeah, yeah, be forthcoming. And there was also a reason why Dick Vitale had to go like this because he was in these great places with PT timers, baby. Diaper dandies. <laughs> he was yelling because first because he's 107, but also because... He was in these deafening, you know, college basketball arenas are just some of the coolest atmospheres ever. And row in the same way, you know, the the post-game shows, the pre-game shows. I always love it. Lee Corso, for example, who coached at Indiana football a million years ago and was yes. a fine coach, but has become 10,000 times more famous as the kind of comic foil, but still the expert, but the guy that puts on the big giant paper mache hat, right? Or which, the, uh, college game day on ESPN yeah. is what you're referring to, which is the... Best sports show on television. Certainly the best pregame show on television. Maybe the best sports TV show on television. By the time you are done with it, every Saturday morning. It's so cool, too. And, you know, the campuses get, no matter whether you're Alabama or somebody like, you know, Boise State that's just come along in recent, you know, memory, to get that designation, we're going to be the college game of the week. We're going to get the whole crew, the college game day crew, and, you know, there's been a lot of creativity with the signage. Sometimes it's really, really funny. Sometimes <laughs> they don't realize that they're making a social commentary uh, using a uh, certain okay. language. Let's stop on that for just one <laughs> second. That's one of the changes in American culture that has driven me probably most crazy <laughs> over the last 20 years. Because in these couple of decades that that has become a Saturday morning mainstay, the signs, which used to be just funny, yeah. kind of college humor signs of great irony, have now turned into some kind of commercial venture or worse, a political firestorm. We've become well, so crazy. Well, and, and, and you're right. And a lot of it's calculated and it's all about getting, the, you know, the, they're they're thrilled if Barstool Sports picks up their, you know, secret obscenity or horrible comment about somebody, and they're like, oh, I got on ESPN, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, everyone's saying you're an idiot. But regardless of what's in the background, if you don't have the background for that show, it doesn't exist, really. Correct. I mean, it, that, so that's a television show that absolutely feeds off, thrives on, is only really exists because it's to go on location. Now, you watch something like Pardon the Interruption uh, with Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon, you know, who, who are great. Whether those two guys, those two cur- curmudgeons, especially Tony, <laughs> Are, are together or not, it doesn't matter at all. But it's a show that literally has a timer on it. I think it works 99% as well. Uh, so does Highly Questionable, which is an ESPN show I really enjoy. They have this terrific rotating cast of commentators and personalities. Those shows work just fine, even with everybody in remote locations uh, spread out. Designed almost for that. Pardon the interruption, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that has been actually fascinating to me during this pandemic, and that is, like everybody... I'm fascinated and intrigued by the background shots that everybody has from their various locations. Right. And I believe it is television law that if you played football at any level, you must have the helmets of all the teams you played for on the shelf in the background. So you'll, and a lot of these guys, listen, anybody who, play, I don't care if you, if you played at the elite high school level, you're better than 99% of the people who are commenting and saying that you don't understand how the cover two scheme works. I get that. <laughs> But it is fascinating because sometimes you'll see somebody in the background and you're like, I don't know what's, what is that? Oh, he played for 
Pittsburgh, the college Pittsburgh team. Okay. And then he must have transferred to, is that Iowa State or Indiana State? But another thing, too, I think people learned early on, don't put your Heisman in the background if you got a We know you won the Heisman. That's true of everything, the background game, whatever people are doing. It, sometimes they, they sign up for those fake backgrounds from Zoom, and it looks terrible because it's like they're floating in space. Yeah, it's like yeah. a 1950s sci-fi film gone wrong. Other times you see they, they don't actually center the shot particularly well. So there, there might be a weird closet door behind them. I always tell people if you're going to go on from home, don't do it in front of a closed door. Because the entire time you're watching as the viewer, you're thinking someone's going to open that door. <laughs> and it's completely distracting. That's just a reality. <laughs> Which so, has happened a number of times to various commentators. The kids come in. And, of course, you know, there's also the problem where somebody forgets to put on their pants and they do that. Uh, the, this, the, by the way, is a really good advice for anybody. If you're working at home and you're doing Zoom meetings or whatever you're doing, Try to set the shot up. It makes you look better, yeah. and it will make you feel better in the long run because your your friends, when you get back to the office, your friends will go, man, your house is really cool. No matter how uncool your house might be. You can find pay. a corner, and also I think, yeah, you got to – I think there's a – it's interesting. It's an actual art. There's a Room Raider Twitter account that's very, very popular because they'll rate it on, you know, 1 to 10, and they'll, they'll even say things like, please center the shot. They're not mean. They're kind of more like, you know – cool background and if someone has like a, a pineapple they'll go like extra points for the pineapple you know something different but you know you want to keep it relatively simple not too cluttered and not have it detract from uh, what you're saying it is fascinating though because you mentioned this and this is in sports and throughout the entertainment world rope you'll see multi-zillionaire movie stars who own their own production companies and they're on zoom and the camera's going right up their nose and they're over here because they don't—they forget to go on the microphone, and it's like right. Jada, Will, get some technical help. You know. I remember the first time Ellen did a broadcast. Like she's like, you know, I'm in the patio near my backyard. Her backyard looks like Bush Gardens. I mean, it's this jungle paradise, you know. And, and as it should be, yeah, you, know, okay. you are who you are. So yeah. watch those backgrounds, people. Yeah, and that's especially true. People want to show off what it is that they have been. And I get it. I mean, I, I'll disagree with you. I kind of like the fact that they've got a Heisman back there because it keys me in immediately. Oh, that's a Heisman warrior. Which one is it? Is he in that commercial, the Heisman house? Which <laughs> which guy is it? Well, you know, that's I, I'm okay with people showing off because it also tells me a little bit about them. If they're showing off and they weren't really anybody, you know, and they're showing all their helmets and their, their footballs and all that, you don't recognize their name immediately, it's not so cool. Yeah. But you also wonder, guys, years beyond – their careers how nice is their house you want to think okay are they are they at welfare now what are they actually doing how are they able to make their living well you know it's very interesting because in the same vein uh, serena williams recently gave a video tour of her trophy room you know and she has all the trophies and it was kind of awesome because she's the queen and she owns it and she's the greatest of all time and and what an icon and role model for generations now but it was so great because some of the trophies, she's won so many, like, U.S. Open. The actual awards have changed right. through the years. So she's got the different, you know, iterations of them, which is pretty cool, too. I'm a total sucker for any show that takes me inside a celebrity's house. There's a documentary out right now about Frank Stallone, Sylvester Stallone's younger brother, and how for 50 years he's been trying to get into show business. He was the guy singing on the corner in, in the original Rocky movie, did a bunch of songs for Staying Alive that mm -hmm. Stallone directed. And it's all about, you know, the brothers, you know, the Don Swayze's of the world. There's <laughs> almost everybody has a brother like that in show business. 
He's a great guy, really interesting, fascinating character. And they interview Frank Stallone at his home, and it looks like a nice little background, just a, a, a pretty simple home. And then they, they talk to Sly. They talk to Sylvester Stallone. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. He's at a bar. He gets a beautiful bar. Like, you know, it looks like some sort of, like, New York type of legendary bar, Chicago, mm-hmm. something that's been around. And then you see a couple of Academy Awards on the shelf. Then you pull back and you realize, that's Sly's home bar. <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's not on Fifth Avenue. Yeah, Frank that's, doesn't have that. Is that what no, you're he does not. The other major change in watching sports in 2021 versus any year prior is the fact that you get to now micro bet on everything that happens in the game through your telephone. It's fascinating to see how the professional sports world and even the college sports world has embraced gambling on their respective games. I mean, years ago. I mean, Paul Hornung, you know, the famous Green Bay Packer who recently passed away, was suspended from the NFL for a year for betting $100, $200 on a couple of NFL games. Pete Rose is not eligible for the Hall of Fame because as a manager, never as a player, as far as we know, he bet on his own team. It was considered, you know, if you're involved in gambling, it's the worst thing ever. Now, of course, DraftKings and PointsBet, and there's a ton of other ones. FanDuel. Uh, FanDuel, you know, they, they advertise. They spend a lot of money. You see them all the time on legitimate newscasts, on ESPN. There's revenue sharing agreements right now, Ro. Isn't that mm-hmm. true? Like with the NBA. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Where, and you're going to have kiosks where you can bet when you're at the games. But in the meantime, depending on which state you're in and which app you download, you can be on your couch watching any game. You can bet on the game, and you can also bet on who's going to score the first touchdown or if, if you know some basketball player is going to combine for 30 points uh, between points and rebounds total. But you can also bet in-game, which is – very cool and also very dangerous because, you know, you can bet in the second quarter on an adjusted line. In the fourth inning on the Dodgers game, if they're up by six, will they win by seven? I'm sure you could probably bet on the cornhole. They got that on ESPN 6 all the time. They're throwing the bags. And, you know, they have sponsors. The guys, the women, sure. they, have, they have all the, the you know, the NASCAR drivers out there. But you can bet on in-game now. <laughs> Things that should not be sports. That's one of them. That's for a future conversation. Now sports has become a multiple screens adventure you've got your phone out you've got your pad out or maybe a laptop you're watching on a screen people put a couple tvs sometimes down in the tv room and what's really creepy about it is sometimes you got the 10 year olds who are betting with dad oh yeah i actually know a few cases like that and they're like he's learning math and i'm like okay good for you (laughs) You, it's funny you mentioned about the multiple screen because this is of course screen time Back in the day, like in the 1970s, I remember you'd see like the White House had four 27-inch television monitors embedded in a wall. And you'd go, oh my. And it was only the White House and Warren Beatty who would have that kind of (laughs) mad luxury. First of all, you can do picture in picture. You can do four, you know, multiverse type viewings on a a big television monitor. But as you mentioned, I know so many people and it's not about, you don't have to have all the money in the world because people figure this out and also you can get monitors. $100. Yeah, and they'll have, it looks like, Mission Control. And a buddy of mine, he's got five screens in the basement. Two are for his son to play video games. Uh, Three are for him to watch sports and play poker because you can play poker online, you know, on Poker Stars and things like that as well. And then you're so right about it being a multi-screen experience. You have degenerate friends. Well, I do, and I love them all. Yeah. Uh, But you mentioned, you know, we talk a lot about the screen time. I don't know anybody who watches the game on a TV and just watches the game. They either have their iPad or their iPhone or their smartphone, whatever the case may be, with them. Whether they're out in a bar where you can do sometimes now, not as much as you used to, but we hope soon, or certainly at home because they want to tweet. I can't believe Matthew Stafford is now on the Rams and this is going to do this and I know more about that. 
or they want to bet, but it, or just text with their friends. I mean, you and I were in a couple of different text groups, and you know, Mitchell Trubisky is alternately the greatest human being who ever lived, or I can't believe they ever drafted him. And then someone always has to send us the all the players who were picked after Mitch. <laughs> oh, Patrick Mahomes went with the tenth pick. That would have been a good one. But that's part of the. It, 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 it simultaneously distances us and puts, brings us together that we have all these screens when we're watching these games. I'm going to take the contrary position there for just a second. If you're watching with your family, and again, the kids are never really watching with you anyway because they're all on their screens. They're on their screens from the time they're six months old. But the other now consistent kind of fight that goes on if you're on your screen while watching sports, sometimes hard enough to get your spouse or your girlfriend to come down and watch the sports with you. Mm-hmm. If you're on your phone the whole time, texting with your pals or betting on the next pitch, you're never going to see your significant other again. (laughs) Well, into that same vein, even before uh, the pandemic and now as fans are starting to go to games again, I do say, and I will say, it drives me nuts to see people on their phones throughout a game. They're not betting on the game in most cases. They're telling people they're at the game. It's fun, but watch the game. You know, people will sit there watching their phones. It's the same people who go to a concert and never look at the stage because they just watch the monitor. They, you know, It is the most galling thing about watching a Dodgers game, whether it's a regular game or a playoff game. Playoffs are more fun because all the celebrities are there. You've got those first three rows behind the catcher mm. where you get to see people. Obviously, the late, great Larry King was always there. Uh, and then you get, you know... Chocolate or vanilla, you decide. <laughs> then you get... Mary Hart, and you're like, what is she doing now? She goes to Dodgers games. That's but you get to watch seats too. Yes. And and there's always somebody who looks like somebody. Is that Jimmy Kimmel? Yeah. No, that's no, that guy's too fat to be Jimmy Kimmel. Ah. Who is that guy? <laughs> but to your point, they're always on their device. They have front row seats. They've got the exact same view as the home plate umpire, mm. and they're not watching the game. Well, I'll tell you this too, and it's been almost a year now since I've seen a movie in theaters with an audience and uh, for screenings i usually see movies about two weeks in advance they usually have invited you know 150 fans to see it the studios had to finally implement a policy security guard would go up there and say we got infrared you can't try to take any pictures don't you got to turn your phones off not just silent turn your phones off and inevitably 10 minutes into it somebody be like i can't believe black widow actually you know like talking to their friends or trying to sneak a little video they now at the screenings you have to check your phone They put it in an envelope. It's coded. It's as if you're going up in space (laughs) just to see a movie because people can't control themselves. And I'm all for that because now we're getting to see the movie the way the movie's supposed to be seen. Okay, before we go, I know you want to tell us about somebody who just joined Twitter that is a must-follow. Well, this is kind of perfect, Ro, because uh, this particular actor has been in a couple of great sports movies. I'm talking about Mr. Jimmy Conn, James Conn. He's at James underscore con at james underscore c-a-a-n and what i love about jimmy con's twitter is it sounds exactly like jimmy con first of all he actually lists his credits at the you know how you'd say like you know mom cat lover fierce defender of freedom christian whatever people put in their little bio top he puts the godfather misery thief brian's song as if we didn't know who he is and what he does and why doesn't got, he put elf in there he, does, he has elf and okay. then it says business inquiries and he actually puts his manager's name like they used to do in the 70s right but every tweet from jimmy Khan is great because he'll he'll let you know something and then he says he actually writes end of tweet for example (laughs) my assistant is making me watch eight mile end of tweet that's just like that no matter what he's talking about he's so into it 
you can eat as much of any food you want, don't swallow, end of tweet. There's his advice for you. But people started sending him all these memes of Bernie Sanders in the lawn chair, photoshopped into Jimmy Conn movies. So he's got he's got one where he's in the wheelchair in misery and Bernie's sitting next to him. <laughs> and James Conn just has a little uh, emoji of a hammer and a laughing face and then puts end of tweet. So you must follow James Conn, the great James Conn. He's at James underscore Conn on Twitter. The Roten Roper Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service, global, digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and much, much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com. And before you go, please subscribe to the podcast, please rate the podcast, and please tell all your friends. Our executive producers are Renee Nelson and Tim Alanius. Our music and production director is Brian Altimer. For Richard Roper, I'm Rokan. See you next time.